on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Nick, Billy, Schmiz, and Aaron of The Rex over Zoom video. Last time we talked to The Rex was uh, June 2020, and they had just put out Infinitely Ordinary. They had just put that record out. So if you watch that first interview, they're talking about that record coming out and then maybe, you know, re-releasing it due to touring schedules and everything else because they weren't allowed to tour at that point. Uh, But we got a new EP between then and now. So they tell us about the Static EP and all about their brand new record. So last time we chatted, they had just released, like I said, Infinitely Ordinary. About six months later, they put out the Static EP. And now they have a new, new record called Sonder. And they tell us all about that album as well. They wrote and recorded a majority of the album in Nick's room in his studio. So they talked to us about that, a little uh, writing camp they put together at their label's studio, and all about the full U.S. headline tour that they're doing as well. You can watch the interview with the Rex on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with the Rex. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good. Sorry that we're running late. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. All you guys, you guys say- I was like, you guys want to be in the Zoom interview? And they're like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Rad. Um, we I've interviewed you guys about it was like two years ago. I don't know if you remember. Um, it was you hadn't you were about to put out your record and or maybe you had just put it out, I can't remember. Um, it, it was funny though, because you said I just rewatched it and you're like, I've this is the first time I've used Zoom. <laughs> so I'm sure you've oh, used God. it a bunch of times since then. Oh my god. Um yeah, wow. what was it all of us? Yeah, but you're all in different spots. Oh my gosh, that was probably chaotic. Oh, awesome. oh, you know what? I feel like I do remember that. Yeah. Santa Monica, like chilling on the Yeah, uh I'm trying to remember. Yeah, everybody was all over the place. And your room was red, Nick. Your whole your your red your room was all like red lit. Oh yeah, and today it's just there's just the blinds are open. That's the lighting today. <laughs> it's all good. I appreciate you all doing this. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of Thanks course. for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So um, I'm Adam, and this is about you guys and your your journey in music. Um, we we kind of already went through your guys' stories in the first interview, but I'd love to like kind of recap that and then catch up on what you guys have uh, going on, especially with the new record and and what you've done since the last time we chatted oh man um well we uh this crazy thing happened um it's global pandemic oh yeah yeah yeah. no 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 we were chatting during the global pandemic (laughs) oh it would have been yeah because because the yeah the record came out like may yeah yeah you guys were um you had the record done because it was june of 2020 when i talked to you guys and Mm. uh and you told me that you had because you were like going to put the record out and then you were going to add some songs maybe and then re-release it. But it looks like you, you put together and you put out an EP after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so hard to remember the timeline of the last two years. <laughs> I think like, 
like what's new is we uh i feel like we've grown unknowingly almost i mean we knew about it but uh we did like a two-week tour i think it was last was it august of 2021 right mm-hmm. yeah and I, yeah and uh really uh got us all stoked to get on this tour that we're about to get on for this new record driver. and we did the driver tour but i mean we're all just like recharged and yeah we've been touring a lot yeah we did we we finally got to tour as soon as we were allowed to tour we started touring again okay um, we've been touring basically our whole career so that's definitely an important factor for us um and uh yeah we put out that ep and then we put out like a couple of covers we did a bunch of live streams um and uh i'm just yeah I, I struggled to write new music for a while there so like there wasn't a ton of stuff coming down the pipeline so we're lucky to be putting out a new record uh <laughs> this year yeah i just i just had a chance to check it out it's it's really really good it's Thank really good so yeah you. Um, I was curious. Well, I just want to go back a little bit. So, Nick, you're from originally from New York, um, and then you ended up what meeting uh, Aaron uh, like online or something? Is that kind of how that worked out? Yeah, I saw his. Uh, I found his band on Facebook. Um, he was his band was opening for a band that I liked, and uh, they must have tagged the band that I had followed. Um, it was like 2010, 2009, uh-huh. and I was like, wait a minute, how is this band? playing a show with the band I like, and we've got the same amount of Facebook likes on our pages. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you saying that. <laughs> How is that possible? And so, I mean, I asked, so then I DM'd Aaron. And it, I somehow liked this kid, and we stayed in contact. And Wait, tell, me how you, tell me how you got that show. I was like, oh, I must be doing something wrong. I got to ask this guy for advice on how he, how he, it how he's got. So, it was a college show. And you booked the show. <laughs> you th- you believe this, but that's not true. <laughs> I don't know. That's so you put your own band on the bill. I'm pretty sure you put his own band on the bill for the okay. college you booked yeah, for. <laughs> with that. Is that not the truth? Well, whatever. That's what I've been saying for years. And he did book the shows at that college. But apparently apparently that show he didn't book. What conflict of interest and all. Okay. Were, were you living in New York still at the time, Nick? What's that? Were you still living in New York at that time? Or had you moved? I was, I was to- in high school. I was a freshman in high school. Oh, okay, wow. And where were you living then, Nick? I mean, Aaron, where were you living? I was in Wisconsin. Okay, so you're going to school there, and that's where he he saw your your band page or whatever. Yep, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Okay, and then when did you guys end up meeting each other? Because I know um, Nick, or the other guys knew in high school, and then you told me a story about how like you dated uh, his friend or something. Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'll, I want to go there, but I'm just curious. So when did Nick, when did you and Aaron actually meet uh, in person for the first yeah, we time? We didn't meet until years later. Um, he, I mean, he ended up just becoming like a really close friend and supporter of the, my music when I was in high school in a town that was very bullish and not very nice and didn't support the stuff I was doing at first. Like there's a lot of We definitely BS. clicked on that. We both grew up in like the same kind of town. Yeah. Okay. And so he was like this older kid who was like really nice to me and like my stuff and his friends looked really cool. And he had other people who had our similar interests and I didn't. So it was like, I was jealous from afar. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so we just kind of clicked on that. And then years, it, it wasn't until years later that um, um, Aaron introduced me to who would then be our later manager because he started interning for them um, that we met in person. Um, we met in person when, when I was there in California visiting. Oh, wow. So that was the first time you, but you'd stayed in contact for all those years. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. And then I remember Billy, you and, and Schmidt met because you went to the same high school or did you go to the same school or something like that? Me and, me and Billy, we both played in like local bands growing up. 
and then, and then we ended up going like an audio like recording school together and uh i mean like long story short we became like friends through that and i went on a tour with another artist that was on our former management which is like what brought us all together really in the first place mm-hmm. so then i mean billy had already known nick and aaron briefly from the years before because he had been working with uh richard our old manager mm-hmm. um I pretty much met those guys once on that tour when I was just playing bass for this kid Clay Burrell. And then after that, it was a very impulsive, like, hey, mom, I'm moving to LA in two weeks after sending an audition recording of uh, just riffs that I wrote and a hilarious video in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you told me that story that you got that you uh, send in a video of you, like, uh, you know, rocking out in your room or something, playing guitar and in a, in a riff that ended up going within and joining that band. But uh, Nick, you were in San Diego, right? In the originally, or you moved oh, to yeah, San Diego? I was, I was in San Diego for a minute. And that's when I, um, I originally met Billy um, was because I was, I was in San Diego taking like train trips up to write um, on the weekends. Okay. And, uh, Billy was in one of those, one of the, he was there one of those weekends with the band um, that he was putting together. Okay. I'm curious because I, well, I'm from San Diego and you said you went to, I think City College, right? San Diego City to, College. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I so did you... CCCC, yeah. Yeah, right there in the middle of downtown. Did you, like, did you go to San Diego just to go to college? Like, I never asked you that before. Like, how did you end up landing in San Diego from the East Coast? It's it's embarrassing, really, because where I grew up, where I grew up... um there's i just thought i had to go to the west coast to pursue music like if if there was a beach there there was probably opportunity um i didn't really know the difference between san diego and la um okay and i was just like um i i went it was kind of a it was a vehicle to get out there to do music but i masked it to my parents is like oh i'm gonna go to school like you know for my mom and my dad was like i'm gonna play on the baseball team and the city you know this school has has all that so i can and so I went out there and I was doing all those things while I was doing music on the side and I ended up dropping out of school, like quitting the team and dropping out of school so I could just do music. Um, but yeah, so I was in San Diego just by um, like because a buddy of mine's brother is in the Navy and there like he was stationed there. So like, that's why like it was like, OK, <laughs> because that's I knew cool. one person there like that was I knew zero people in L.A. Um, so you knew one per yeah one person in San Diego and then you ended up playing baseball for City College's team yeah wow yeah I was dude I did some like just Google deep diving on, on you guys just because I had yeah. time today and I found some video so uh, a video of your old band you guys did like a Twenty One Pilots cover and stuff oh, that was pretty funny wow. but then I found a baseball okay. video of you nice and you guys won some like championship thing. Hell yeah. I think you even got you get interviewed by like the, the local news guy and he's got like his headphones on. And he's, do you do I'm are you sure you got you remember? No, I'm not that. Sure, I'm not sure which um which one that is. I don't know. You're in orange uniform. You won a lot of games. <laughs> you won some championship. I was like, damn, so he's actually really good. So then you <laughs> ended up playing to walk onto the team, I mean, at San Diego City College, even though it's a city college, it, I think the team's pretty good. Yeah, no, they were pretty pissed. No, I'm not going to lie. I got, I was like, I got like the ace slot. Like I was the number one pitcher in the fall ball uh, season. And then going into the spring, which is your real season. Um, I, I quit <laughs> and the coach. I called the coach to tell him and he was livid. I was like, dude, I don't even, you're not even a coach anymore. I'm calling you to tell you, I'm never going to talk to you again. Basically <laughs> he's like yelling at me. Like I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's a big opportunity. We invested a lot of time and energy into you. I'm like, dude, 
you gotta you gotta widen your scope my guy <laughs> like this is insane what you're saying to me right now sports for one season in middle school <laughs> very equal very equal yeah well, i wrestled my coach loved me so much and i told him i was quitting like to like work on music and suddenly he's like the biggest mistake you're ever gonna make i just don't have enough time after school to rehearse with my band and i was like fucking 13 excuse my language no you can swear dude all you, all you want and, uh, <laughs> i was making a big mistake and this was actually happening for the track season because he made me do track to stay in shape for wrestling next year and like Shady doing hurdles i'm like I dude, oh, yeah, dude, I was. I don't do good. How have you never told us that story? Your middle school wrestling coach, when Probably you quit to pursue me. music, said, This is the biggest mistake you're ever gonna make. He's just saying, like, he told me I'm making a big mistake. I don't know if he said the biggest. I mean, well, the way you worded it the first yeah. time made me cry laughing. So maybe the first one. Meanwhile, he's still probably re- the wrestling coach at that, <laughs> that middle yeah, school. He's like, <laughs> he's, 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 he's like drinking a, a glass of scotch, watching videos of you on YouTube. He could have been an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> he blew it. Look at him. His fucking tiny band. He could have been massive. <laughs> Was there like uh, something that like, did you get? A gig or something like how did you decide on just stopping playing baseball i guess is my, would be my question um i was spending um i was spending like every night in my room on my computer like making demos mm-hmm. and um i wanted to be writing more and i was just so tired at the end of practice and at the end trying to do homework and trying to like keep up with school and do a sport which is like felt like two full-time jobs mm-hmm. um and uh and and I just I don't know I just I didn't have time and so I, I kept I kept trying to make it work and then at some point I was just like I I need to I need to either commit fully to this like I just felt myself in a weird limbo and I'm not comfortable in a place like that I was like I need mm-hmm. to I need to commit fully to to the music it wasn't ever like oh I gotta pick between the one or the other it was like if I have to pick I'm just gonna go with music. Um, and I mm-hmm. felt like that was the moment I had to pick. Um, I was, okay. I got to go through high school doing all the things I wanted to play in all the sports and doing music and it was just fun. But here I was out on my own, didn't know like really anyone. And I wasn't making a ton of friends at the school. My roommates sucked. And I was just like, this is, this is a moment I got to just make a decision here. And so I just, yeah, I just decided to, I was spending too much time on the baseball field, not enough time in my room making demos. And then <clears throat> I, uh, so then I went, back to school for that second semester in the spring while my roommates continued playing baseball and they went I like oh and 19 it was awesome they didn't win a single game um and then um <laughs> and then and then i decided i was spending too much time in the classroom and not enough time making demos so i dropped out of school okay and were you playing in a band in san diego too yeah aaron and i were playing um maybe not while i was in college it was right after college. right after college so so during that time i was i was looking for members for my pop punk band coastbound um i had okay. written and recorded an ep um at that point but i had no members and so i was like like if aaron was in california at the time he probably would have joined the band but he was not there at, at that time so i would like in my classes i was like i had a couple music classes and anyone with like a pop punk shirt or warp tour adjacent shirt or like long hair i was like hey do you play music like but I, i'd like to think that i was just sociable and going up to everyone but it would probably take me three classes to gain the courage to say hi to anyone sure but that's I, how i am too <laughs> yeah. but eventually I, I i found a i found a guitarist and then 
my other buddy who on the baseball team, he played guitar and he might have joined. And like, so then it started kind of happening. And, um, and then by the time I uh, dropped out of school, um, Aaron was able to, Aaron was in California and able to join the band. And we were able to do it while he was in Los Angeles and I was in San Diego and we just would get together. Um, and we, we kind of solidified the lineup and started playing in the San Diego pop punk scene. Did really you really, so so where you play like someone those type of venue like where oh, would you we play played, in San Diego? We we're in the, we're in, we're in the DIY scene. Yeah, we played like like a like strip mall storefronts and we played like like garages and um random like donation like like outside venue things like it was all really cool. That's cool. Yeah, there was a healthy scene. There was like a lot of bands. It was a lot of the like repeat bands and a lot of the same fans. And I didn't even realize we were playing in a music scene until years later. I look back. I'm like, dude, that was like one of the last DIY like scenes that like I have seen. You know? Yeah, San Diego had a really good scene for a while there. Um, I we mean, like and then part of it, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of bands that were getting signed out of the uh, that kind of in that like warp tour days i mean those early 2000 days there's a lot of bands coming out of uh, san diego yeah for sure and there was definitely like an energy of them keeping it alive I and mean, we only played like maybe 10 shows probably less mm-hmm. um but it was cool to like just kind of step our foot in it and like experience it and be so welcomed into it mm-hmm. um yeah it was it was a really awesome vibe that's awesome and then you guys you and aaron ended up starting the Rex and the other and then uh, Billy, you joined, and then I think you said you had a guitar player even before Schmiz joined again, right? Isn't that kind of what happened? We had a Schmiz joined right from the get go, but we had a fifth member that was like another. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, but wasn't there? Wasn't the story that there was someone? Oh shit! There was a drummer too who looked I like Hulk Hogan. There was another dude. <laughs> we just we just auditioned two people, and we were okay. like, "Cool, let's do it." And then we. Like with, within that same week, we like realized the instruments were available. And so we just went that way. Yeah. And at that point, the, sorry, go ahead. That Aaron, Aaron got a phone call like four years later. So like, are you guys still auditioning for a drummer? Oh yeah. Aaron got a call like two years ago about someone from, who saw a fly on a guitar center that was never taken down. <laughs> for four years, people are like. It was so random. We were on tour too. And he's like, Hey man, you guys still looking for a guitarist? I'm like. No, bro. That's insane. <laughs> We're on tour right now. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh man, that is crazy. Well, did you guys know it was going to be the project was the Rex, and when this was all happening, when you were reaching out to Billy and uh, Schmiz? Yes, we. By the time we were reaching out to them, I had like the the first EP basically demoed out. Oh wow! And then I was like, these are the songs. Like, what do you think? And like a few other like like random little rock things, and um, that was like I had like the the nugget of the the idea was already there yeah okay and i remember you guys saying that the first man i don't know if the person still manages you i think you said his name was richard last time i talked to you um what how that's kind of the he was kind of the guy that pulled the whole band almost together right so he knew well because aaron interned for them and I. oh yeah that's what it was aaron interned for them and then okay that's and then he knew that's how introduced me to him and got it i started writing for his bands and so then i met billy and then I needed a drummer. I was like, this kid was 16 when I met him. I was like, can you put me in contact with him? Uh-huh. So Billy was available and Billy said, cool. Yeah, I'm down. But I've also got my buddy Schmiz here. Can he come? And I said, no, I've already got a guitarist. We're good. And then, he goes, <laughs> and then Richard said, have him send in like an audition video, like have him play. And yeah. so, so Richard was um, facilitated and was like, you know, obviously part of it and was helping, helping me be like, is this guy good or not? Is he, you know, do you, 
but I, I mean, I met Aaron organically and met Billy through, through those writing trips um, and stuff, but okay. so it wasn't really, um, I picked out, like I picked, well, I, the universe picked Aaron and I, and then I, you know, met um, Billy and uh, yeah. So it was like, it wasn't quite put together in that sense. Yeah. That was happening. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you, you saying, I mean, you guys have some pretty, uh, pretty, insane stories when it comes to almost like all the recordings that we talked to prior to the, the newer ones, obviously with the first EP and, you know, using this studio that you guys didn't even realize you were using, (laughs) not really, uh, you know, you weren't really let to, you know, do it or whatever. And you had to send somebody in there to get the, the, the tracks transferred over. And then even the next, thing you guys put out with uh, panic vertigo wasn't that like a whole thing where they put a producer together with you and it didn't work out and you ended up going to some barn that you knew like a buddy of yours to record the rest of it yep yeah essentially i mean it was a studio that just happened to be in a building the shape of a barn but oh, okay yeah, yeah you went to a studio we, there we we did say that of I course we're like in the garage with spiders and crickets every night oh spiders. that's true <laughs> it was for sure if only your bed was made of hay bales okay so what when it came into then uh, Infinitely Ordinary, how was, was that record put together? I think you said it was similar to that second EP, right? Um, no, no, this one was this one. Well, we did two of the songs we did record back at that place. Right. Um, you did like, I thought you said, you, didn't you do like 30 or something or 20 or 30 did, songs? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we did. Holy shit. We did. We did like 28 songs. We were doing like a double album, basically. And then we kept two of the songs because of course we did. And, okay. Uh, and because I'm not talking about like we wrote 30, like we, we, everyone demos a ton of songs. We, mm-hmm. we probably have like, I mean, it used to be like we'd have hundreds, but that one we had like 23, like 22, 23, like fully produced, fully mixed, like tracks, like ready to go out the door. I'm super glad we didn't release them though. Um, because when I listen back, I'm like, oh, we, we, we were experimenting. We were trying to find our footing. This is, okay. there's cool moments, but like, I'm glad we kept the two songs we kept from it. And then you went to what your where you guys are at now or your house yeah, and yeah 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 so then we finished infinitely ordinary um for the most part in here um uh uh despite like one or there was two songs that we co-produced with the, this guy Ryan Spraker um out of style feel so nice we did two of those half here half at his studio um but most of it yeah most of it in here and then the the whole new record in here as well okay wow even the new new one coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was still in the box. In this oh, world. wow. Okay. Well, tell me about the Static then EP real quick, and then I want to hear about this new record. Is there a story <laughs> behind Static? Because before, like I said, you had that record out, and you're like, well, we might put together some more songs and re-release it because it was in COVID, and you couldn't tour it or do anything like that. Yeah. So you guys were kind of in a weird spot. We wanted to extend the life of it so that we could hopefully headline on it or like tour or something, um, which mm-hmm. wasn't able to happen, which is kind of like what this summer's tour is, is like, touring on two albums um but uh yeah i mean that was the static ep is funny because two of the songs were like new and written around the time it was released um good for nothing was like just a little idea that i had that aaron goes record that like we were here for rehearsal or something and i was like i'll record it later he goes no you're gonna forget like record so he like basically made me come in here and like track it and then those that was the beginning of the final recording like definitely what i recorded right then was i ended up using Mm-hmm. which is kind of cool um and uh and then uh, uh static was also new but i hope it's called new york and try to remember we're both recorded in the barn sessions and the is part of those 
30 songs we did. Oh, really? Yeah, those were two of the the tracks that we did. So when we were like trying to put together a deluxe or an EP, we were like, I don't, I'm not sure why we were trying to push out an EP. I think, I mean, I couldn't really write new songs. I wasn't feeling inspired. So, so the fact that Static and Good for Nothing happened was just kind of like cool, like great. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we had to kind of look into the vault a little bit. And those were songs that were already kind of finished and didn't require like an additional mix or anything. So we just kind of like had someone master them and we put those out. Okay. And then when do you start working on this new record? Was everything opened up by that point? Or sort of? Uh, <laughs> no, because that was, I'm not sure the timeline on when that record came out. I think November. No, I'm, for, the, for, the new, for the new one. Because it sounds like you used two of the older songs from, or from the, that, the, that recording session for, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, for the static, the right? Song, the oldest song on, on Sonder, the new record, is Where Are You Now? which came out as a single that mm-hmm. um, that was started like um, a week after that Infinitely Ordinary came out. Like I just I wrote the chorus for that, like, which I didn't know until I found a voice memo of, of, from May 8th. And I was like, wow, yeah. a week after that record. When I heard that. <laughs> oh, wow. And so when do you guys start deciding on writing and putting together this record? Um, well, I think there was like, we, it was kind of like, I was kind of hit with the deadline because of, you know, the drive error tour eating up a lot of the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I went through a breakup last summer. So starting like September 1st, I had like a lot to write about. And then we went on tour starting in what November. So, um, yeah. so I had like a little bit of September, October to like write some music and just kind of get it out of my system, which was like, so this record was, I mean, this record was a very personal uh, endeavor because I had I had something that I was going through and I just needed to like find a way to you know express that and get that off my chest and work on it um, and like have no doubts about it kind of thing mm-hmm. um, even if I waste an entire you know 10 hours throughout the night like on a part that's not going to work like I needed to kind of be able to go through that and experience you know whatever these feelings were going to whatever kind of music these feelings were going to put out um, I defined them. So yeah, it was kind of that it was a, it was kind of a shut in process, honestly, this last record. Um, and the, and so then when we went on tour, I had like a series of demos and we were able to kind of listen to them while on, while on tour and like, just, you know, I got to kind of find out who liked what and what songs were kind of yeses, which ones were no. And so then we got back and I thought I was going to have a mid May deadline to deliver the record. And then we get back like I get back from Christmas, like January 5th or something. And then like, okay, cool. So mid-March delivery. And I'm like, literally most of the record's not written yet. None of it's like recorded. The ones that are written are half written. Like, and I've got to deliver this record. And um, and yeah, so it was just kind of two months of two months of only working on the record. And the last month I felt like I didn't sleep the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. it was like it was kind of intense actually it was like i was just like i just needed it i had this finish line i had to get to and i had a lot of songs to to take care of and it was yeah it was difficult I was like, do you, yeah do you like work here is that something you prefer to work under pressure like that or no um sometimes i think it forces you to just like finish something which is good 
Um, it's kind of like the South Park thing with how they make their episodes in a week. But sure. I don't, I don't know if that's the best. <laughs> um, it wasn't great. It wasn't great for my body or, or mm-hmm. for my mind, maybe. But it was. Um, but the record's done. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it sounds great. So that worked out for you. Um, yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, you said in the, the past interview that you get, you guys wouldn't work with a, you, you like producing your guys on stuff, like doing it yourself and you wouldn't hire. Cause I think you said that was kind of an issue with one of the records. You had somebody come out and they're working with you guys on the album and it started to not even sound like just, yeah, the, you guys, the EP, it was, was like, give us trust issues experience with a producer ever. And I feel like at this point we would maybe work with someone else alongside what we know we want mm-hmm. okay yeah because you said you you probably would do you're like if it would if the circumstance came together like in a way you wanted to do it you would do it were you did you guys use uh, outside producers on this record at all or was it just mainly same just you guys no this was more this is more diy than maybe any other record <laughs> that oh wow um we did one of the songs we co-produced with uh uh our old rhythm guitarist weston and my buddy uh dylan deskin um on the, our first single lone survivor that was like um i i had rented out not rented out but like blocked out two two rooms at our label studios to have like kind of like a little writing camp where i wanted a bunch of our friends to come and 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 because again at this point i needed to like i needed a little i, I had some things to say and i was feeling some inspired to write so i thought it'd be fun to like get some friends around and, and co-write a bunch of things because I was like, I already know what I'm trying to say. It's not like it's a co-writing session where it's, I, you know, I'm not really sure what direction to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought if I could work with some really talented friends and they could help me like sort out my thoughts here, this, we could maybe come up with a lot of really great, uh, great tracks. So we had, um, we had, uh, yeah, we had a bunch of people come for like two or three, I think three days. We had both studios kind of going and I was bouncing from room to room, um, making songs um, and I think I'm trying to remember how many Lone Survivor um, Don't Be Scared uh, and did anything else come from this? I think that's we wrote like three four, I think that's about Lone Survivor and Don't Be Scared yeah so like two tracks came from those three days which is great I mean to mm-hmm. have one song come come out of that is is awesome and uh, one of them um, actually both of those songs ended up being ones that we we worked on um, like produced with people so like that Weston and Dylan um, were like making the beat. Like I started on guitar with my friend Savannah and then they came in and joined the session. Then they started putting the chords down that we were playing on guitar and started putting the beat together. And um, they, they, they're very like kind of loop oriented. So like the, you know, the kind of, you kind of just get section by section of the same chord progression with like different highs and lows. And it was, it was just cool to get that energy and and work on a different kind of track. Mm -hmm. And um, don't be scared. ended up. Yeah, complete opposite of what we normally do. Yeah, the um, then then don't be scared was the same kind of process where it was a bunch of us in a room and I like popped in and I was like, oh, what if the corp the they like they had this really cool vibe going on and then I was like, oh, what if the chorus did this and I like played a chord progression because I was hearing the song in a different key, I think, but like it worked or like my hand landed on the wrong chord or something, but I was like, that's like, but it was the energy I was looking for, and then like, oh, that's sick, and then I like, walked into the other one, I'm like, cool, and so that was like that was fun. And then we all got together, rewrote the the verses at the end of the day. Um, and uh, yeah. So then later Spencer who plays rhythm guitar for us now um, introduced us to their buddy, Robert. And we, the, the three of us um, kind of like 
kind of spearheaded the production on that and we got all the guys to come in and Billy got to play drums on it and um yeah that was a cool that was a cool process too to kind of so that one was also a co- uh, co-production on um, those two songs okay and but that's crazy so you had two groups going and then was that, all of you were there like in de- separate like like who was in what room i guess and I, so so i would be in a one room with a group of people and Schmiz would be in another group with people and then oh, wow. people, like and then i was just like kind of bouncing bouncing between the rooms throughout the day um i was trying to set it up to where i didn't have to like operate the production in one of the rooms so that i could kind of be a little fluid but it ended up being a mix of both mm-hmm. um, it was really cool it was, it was pretty fun and a lot of my friends got to meet each other and then and then toward the end of the day we had people just like joining each other in the other room so like everyone kind of got involved um and that did end up helping a lot uh, especially my friend savannah who's a great writer she wrote on fuck somebody with me like she wrote it with me mm-hmm. and um and she she just like got on like got in on like every song because she's great with lyrics and or she's great with like, like putting up th- uh, themes together with uh with like my massive you know scroll of lyrics she's um she's like this is what your song's about she'll, she'll just tell me like cool like, be about the thing that it's about i'm like okay got it thanks <laughs> and then was the rest of the record written where you guys are right now yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. and then you just uh, did you record everything there as well and and did the worked on the whole record yeah yeah it was um 95 percent of it was in here yeah wow what was that like is that a lot more like was there more freedom like how did you feel about doing kind of everything there yeah i mean on space i I feel like i can make a million records in here um it's it's not the same room as it was when we did infinitely ordinary there's a better mic here and a better preamp there and um you know i've got more space in a live room over there so like you just kind of like you just kind of grow it and improve it Mm -hmm. my thing on like producing it ourselves is like um you know, when I think about like, like Schmitz mentioned earlier, I do think that we could work with, we could work well with other producers at this point and do like do well and have success doing that. And the first time we did it was tough because we'd never worked with the producer before. So then that developed kind of trust issues and it was like, okay, so then that was the moment where I went, okay, I just need to get better at this then. Like, cause by up to that point I needed help. Mm-hmm. Like every thing I was producing, I had our buddy Andrew, like, mixing it or changing my drum sample so it sounded big and, and making sure that we were recording everything correctly like even if i was pointing at what needs to happen and all that stuff um he was we had a great engineer all, at all times mm-hmm. um so but like the the way i kind of look at it now is like we could do that and there will be tracks where we do um and maybe that i think that that'll happen when we go and write a song with someone like a producer we really like and then it comes together that way or I've got a track that I know is great, and I know that um, I know that the type of production needs to be a different thing than I'm either capable of doing or I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, um, the consistency in production allows us to have an inconsistency in sound. Like if we can kind of, I think we can stretch this band as wide as we want it to be, and as long as I'm still producing the songs. There's something intangible that connects them all. Um, I think when you find a band that like comes out with a new record and it sounds nothing like them, check the producer. Like you're gonna, it's probably a different producer than you're used to. Like you probably heard their first two records from this one person who made, you know, who did it with them, and you love that sound. And then the new record could be the same kind of music, but it feels different and it feels cleaner, or it feels dirtier, like something. And like mm-hmm. that disconnect sometimes is like jarring for fans. 
Um, and I think that uh, sometimes it's great for bands. You know, they they go from a garage band to like a you know nice polished big alt rock band. Cool. Um, I think uh, I think that there's there's like poppier songs on this record. There's like there's uh, it goes it's all over the place, but it doesn't feel like too much of a deterrent that uh, or too much of a detour because because I'm still producing and I don't know what that is. I couldn't name it. That's why you could hear what you're talking about if you listen to like Way with Words, which is on Lego mm-hmm. EP, who actually someone else did produce, and it does. It's a great song and it has a very clean, like poppy vibe. But if you listen to that next to anything else, there's like a little bit of a cork that's not. Yeah, you there. immediately feel that it was produced by someone else. And yeah. same thing with Lone Survivor. You kind of like 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 these are tracks that was like less of a co-production and more of someone else's production. And mm-hmm. you, I think you can hear it right away when it's like a song that I didn't produce. Um, and I think that it's, it's, it's funny because usually because the track is a little cleaner, like it's, it's a little, it's more polished and it's like well-produced. It's like, that's usually the reason. Um, and, but I'm like, I'm trying to, I embrace, you know, my edges because I think it's, it's, it's what the Rex is. So like, I'm, I'm good with it, but I definitely notice I'm like, oh yeah, it's because like, this sounds great. <laughs> like this thing that someone else made, it sounds really polished and great. It's just a different kind of great. No, I see what you're saying because you're you're totally right. When it comes to certain producers, you can hear a record by someone and go, "Oh, if you know the producer, you're like, oh, I think that's a so and so record." You could tell, you can hear. Yeah, I guess like, uh, yeah, like John Feldman would be a good example of somebody. That you could be like, "Oh, like that sounds like something that he produced." <laughs> um, I think, I think if a band can change, like if they work with the same producer and they're consistent, they can change their sound a lot more than a band who changes producers. Um, I guess is where I'm also coming from. It's like no, if- for sure. Yeah, because it still has your you're still you're the one still running the command center as far as like how certain things will will sound. And it's all through you guys. And then it's just you're growing as a producer and and, and, and artists and writers and everything else. It's just kind of going forward with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like my instincts won't suddenly change one day. I won't be like, oh, now I now I don't use I don't know. It's just it's it's something intangible that I think is really. It's really interesting because I might think of like, oh, this sounds like nothing I've ever made. And maybe it doesn't, but there's still something to it that ties it together to the rest of the music. And so we're for now, I'm like trying to embrace that. And I'm noticing it with this record for sure. It's awesome. And then it's coming out, what, in a week or so? Two weeks? Jesus. Like, wow. It's like a, a week and a day or two. Or really? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus, we gotta rehearse. (laughs) So tired just to go. Yeah, because we got our our tour starts the the day it comes out. Oh wow! Okay, day before it comes out. No, the day it comes out. Are you doing a headline tour this time around? (laughs) I'm sorry, what's that? You're doing a headliner this for this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing a full US. Um, so it comes out June 10th, but the night of the 9th, and that that will be we'll be on. We'll be getting ready to go on stage in Fresno for the first show when the record comes out. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yeah. So I don't know what we're going to do. We got to say to do something special. Yeah, we should. Right. We can't just like do our show and be like, our, our album came out <laughs> or start a tour or something. We should start a tour. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And Nick, you've been doing some producing as well, right? A lot of you did the new Hoodie Allen record. I did. Yeah. 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 We started, yeah. that was started like beginning of COVID. Um, we had written a couple of songs and then and then the pandemic happened and they just lived here <laughs> he just like lived here yeah i interviewed him like a few weeks ago and he was telling me that he said that he just like crashed at your house like 
half the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it, was like, it went from like, oh, like a couple, like a week writing trip to like months. It was pretty funny. That's amazing. Half a year. I, I don't remember anymore. I don't remember anything over the last two years. I don't think anyone does. Yeah, I don't think anyone does either, man. It's like such a blur. Like thinking back to when I interviewed guys, it was like I looked at the date. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was like literally two years ago. It was in the middle of June of 2020. Nuts. How have you been? <laughs> I, I'm, dude, I live in Tennessee now. I moved to wow. Nashville. Place yeah. looks great. It looks very clean. Oh, thank you. It's newish. <laughs> <laughs> it looks dusted. It. it yeah, yeah, a little bit dusted. Um, but I love it here, man. It's cool. It was just crazy because when we were talking last time, I was in San Diego and you were like, oh, I went to San Diego uh, Community College. I was like, what the, you know, usually I wouldn't, and just, you know, just you being in the scene, I, I thought that was crazy. Um, but yeah, now I'm in Nashville. Uh, but I love it here. <laughs> How long have you been there? Uh, a year now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's wild. Right, guys, I think that a lot of people are going to Nashville, man. I mean, I'm not against it. I am. I am. <laughs> three ims and a have one i'm not have fun in nashville <laughs> really? the weather the weather's quite different here uh it snows and it's uh humid and uh yeah <laughs> but yeah. You, you're used to that i guess living in new york yeah um, i also don't know if i would want to be surrounded by musicians all the time like it feels kind of fun to be like to find friend groups that aren't like not everyone has a song on uh, some show on cbs tonight like that's kind of like that's kind of fun um i would i i it's much as like i don't know i just don't love the idea of being another being another small fish in a big pond again um and that's what la is anyway but at least it's like not like everywhere i go every uber driver and every like friend and every this and that is a musician of sorts like i don't know if i would love that i, I need to it's already my life fully so like if it's outside of my life also i'm like okay there's no escaping it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I live in the I live in the burbs, like south. There's a but there's still a ton of musician people and like industry people like you me. I'm like, oh wow, like oh yeah, that person works for blah 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 blah. And it's like it's just crazy. Like more more so than when I would go to L.A. and and meet people. Right, which is probably naive of me to be saying. So uh, you know, I I retain the the opportunity to retract these statements. No, 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 but you, you're, not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I say, this is the best thing ever. And someone pulls up this interview. Um, don't cut me out of context here. Uh, I am retracting it. <laughs> <laughs> all good. All good. Well, dude, thank you guys so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you, thank you for having us again. Yeah. It's so, so cool to see you guys again and, and, you know, the success of the, the record and even the last record and everything else that you guys have done in between. Um, I have my, one more question for you. Uh, if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah, that means nothing. No, it means something. Keep on keeping on. It's great. Um, I, yeah. Didn't we do didn't we do a whole round of it? You did. Yeah. We should do that again. We'll keep it in tradition. All right, Shmiz, you can go first. Um, be a friendly person and meet lots of people. I was gonna say be nice to everyone. Yeah, be nice to everyone is like really major because if you're a, a if you're a bad vibe, everyone's gonna know about it. Everyone's gonna know. About it's kind of it. true, man. It's kind of true. People talk. People talk. You're just kind of threatening. His advice is sort of threatening. Like be nice or else. <laughs> Mine was be nice, but nicer than what Schmidt said. Be nicer than Schmidt. You could come on camera though. You need to. You have to do it. Me, 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 bro. 
Um, <laughs> Billy, you go. I gotta think of one. Be nice I was gonna say play out and oh, take his. I was gonna say take um just play out and take as many gigs as you can and just market yourself and be cool with everybody. I don't know. Just get yourself in the scene and out there. Yeah, get involved. Exactly. Be nice, get involved. involved. I like that. Get nice. Be nice. Get involved. I can't think of anything you else. Um, you know, I don't even know. Nick, what's yours? Come on, you got one. Find someone to cut your hair. Get a hair. Have a healthy diet. That's great. That is good. That's good. It's not. <laughs> well, that's good. What do you mean? Mental health is is body health is mental health or something? Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. All right. I have a healthy diet is, is definitely, I mean, we, we got, we got be nice, get involved, healthy diet. I didn't think I wasn't expecting that to come for it. Um, I would say um, um, if we're talking like musicians and artists specifically, like be honest with your art, um, write from a place, you know, write about things, you know, write about yourself. Uh, you are the only you, you only have your stories and only you can tell your stories the way you tell them a lot. Like what I was talking about with, my production being a thing that ties all of what we do together. It's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the touch is. I don't know what I do when I write songs. I don't know what my instincts are. They're intangible. I can't define them, but they do. They are mine. And I, that's something that, um, that's something that everyone has. And so, yeah, just be, be honest and be yourself. There's a lot of, it's, there's a lot of like, Oh, this is what's poppy. Oh, this is catchy because it references something catchy. It sounds like a catchy thing I heard. It's like, do you like it though? Yeah, it's like, do you like the song? Um, So trust your taste and be honest.